0: 20 by 14, Reflections on Studying Architecture Abroad The Podcast (laughs) Tell it to... In architecture there is no copyright. Nobody can copyright a building. Living in a foreign city will make this crystal clear. Places like Italy and Firenze in particular can teach you this. Architecture is a contribution to a choral, lively and never-ending piece called the Built Environment. There is no final, definitive layout for it. So, architects shouldn't worship authorship at all. Hi to all. Today's guest is Luca Cottini and he's speaking from Pennsylvania at the moment. Uh, He will briefly uh, give us the reason of why an Italian is uh, in Pennsylvania as of now. So I'm not going to present, but basically, what I can say about Luca is that Luca is, uh, is an academic that is teaching uh, Italian studies at the Villanova University, but is also um, uh, deeply in love with Italian design as I am. We share this idea that design is not just a way of producing cool objects, but it's the expression of the culture of the of, of country. And as of now, Luca is leading uh, a podcast and a YouTube uh, uh, channel where uh, design is faced from, uh, Italian design in particular is faced from very different uh, uh, point of, uh, of views. So, ciao Luca, ciao. benvenuto.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you and I'm honored to have you in the list of guests for this podcast. I must admit that the first idea of a podcast as a way to support the publication of a, of a book was born a couple of years ago uh, during a couple of uh, dinners that we had together here uh, here in Florence. And when lately I, I had... Uh, Uh, the problem of finding a channel to support and to develop the marketing strategies for the book I thought uh, to to a podcast and of course immediately your name came out. Buongiorno Luca and uh, can you share with us uh, a little bit your background how an Italian from the northern Italy uh, ends up in Pennsylvania teaching Italian studies.
1: Well, basically, I'm from uh, an hour north of Milan, uh, Varese, near the border with Switzerland. I grew up there, studied in Milan. I studied classics. Uh, I actually got back to my city teaching in middle school and high school uh, before uh, applying to a number of uh, st- uh, like master's programs in the in the United States. And uh, luckily, I got into uh, Notre Dame where I uh, completed a Master's in, in Italian Studies and Romance Languages. And after that, like I really discovered uh, a different point of view on Italy and um, a different uh, world of studies on Italy here in the United States. So I decided to go on. I did my PhD in uh, Boston at Harvard and um, after that I got my first position in Canada, in Montreal where I taught at McGill uh, before moving to back to Pennsylvania um, near Philadelphia. Uh, now I teach at Villanova since uh, 2013. Uh, I directed Italian Studies program, and as you were saying, um, I share the same passion for uh, Italian design and Italian uh, industrial culture uh, which kind of I put together in, in my book, The Art of Objects, which I came to present to Florence, and which I really wanted to turn into something lively, not something that uh, remains on the shelf. So that's why I started the podcast, Italian Innovators, uh, which is now like a YouTube channel, uh, really developing uh, stories, academic stories, on, and really entrepreneurial story, stories on Italian greats. Uh, innovators, uh, designers, uh, fashion designers, uh, entrepreneurs, and stories of Italian discoveries and of um, an Italian model that is particularly successful in, in the world. So uh, now kind of in, inhabit the world through this uh, YouTube channel. Uh, it's, it's kind of nice to have uh, viewers from uh, Australia, the UK, the United States, Canada, Ireland, and Latin America, and, and Italy, of course.
0: Great, uh, very uh, complex and uh, complicated. But uh, what what did and does uh, being abroad mean to you?
1: Well, uh, my my life is being abroad <laughs> at this point. Uh, as an Italian in the United States, I mean, I became a citizen, but like I I still consider myself. Uh, Kind of um someone who lives abroad um, and this applies to the United States but the more I live here in the US it's been 16 years the more going back to Italy feels like being abroad as well uh, and uh, there is a sense of estrangement uh, in being abroad in not being familiar with places um, but there's also a sense of general discovery and a sense of attention and newness and and curiosity that this marginal position generates. So to inhabit a space as someone who's a foreigner uh, is actually the possibility to notice the intricacies of the space, to not take the space for granted, and actually to know, know again what you think you knew. Uh, so, in this sense, being abroad is, is a state of mind. Uh, it's kind of a mix of uh, fascination and irritation, um, which requires, however, a constant work of negotiation of whatever uh, you see. Um, the, the singling out of things that are different from, where the difference is actually an interesting Epistemological resource because, like, when something different, we bump into something different, we're forced to ask, like, you know, what is this and why is this so? Why? do Italians build in a particular way? Or why do Americans build in a particular way? And um, in bumping into this difference, you're also forced to ask yourself, so well, what makes me mean then? And in this work of constant negotiation, uh, which uh, in my case is also in the work of a personal relations, a relationship. My wife is American, and this is kind of like a, a daily <laughs> negotiation. Um, This being abroad gives you a much broader perspective on on the daily life. Uh, And this broader perspective is is, uh, both horizontal uh, in the sense that you gain kind of a different range uh, of uh, where things are located uh, of a much broader world, but also vertical in the sense that you're forced to ask in front of things, what is their depth? What is their substance? And what lies behind their external forms? What concept? What idea moved them? Uh, so, in this sense, it's quite remarkable um, to to for I, I think as a, as a as a professor, like also accompanying students, to actually go with American students to Italy, because this coincides with a lot of storytelling, but a lot of discovery of what I thought I knew, that through the eyes of someone else who never saw it, actually becomes starts to become aware, self-conscious. So uh, it's quite fascinating in the chapter of the book when you talk about Ponte Vecchio in Florence. Uh, I've been there an incredible, an infinite number of times, I have to say every time I took my picture there, but it's actually quite remarkable to be forced to tell to someone else what this is about and discover by telling that uh, it has a much longer history, that like Taddeo Gaddi worked on it, uh, like the, the great uh, late medieval painter working in Santa Croce in, in, in Florence, the, 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 the Cappella Baroncelli. it was like one of the most incredible pieces in Florence that I've never seen. And then like going back to Florence with students, you start to realize, hey, but there's this. And um, and also like imagining the scenes of like, uh, you know, the, you you mentioned the visit of uh, Mussolini and Hitler in Florence and their picture they took in in, in Ponte Vecchio and the fact that it was spared by the bombings, perhaps because of the fascination that it raised, also for them, uh, as as it does for every American student and every Italian who is, becomes aware of what this is. So,
0: thank you, Luca. Yes, I I do agree that. Uh... The fact of being uh, abroad, uh, in my opinion, and this is what I tried to defend in throughout all the twenty chapters of the book, is uh, is the fact uh, itself of being abroad. This, you 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 called it uh, a state of mind. We can call it this abroadness, which is more important than the place where you are. It's uh, it's the attitude that uh, traveling can give you. That is uh, uh, that is fundamental, and the the attitude of questioning and negotiating your spa- your space, destroying routines and de- destroying uh, the the prejudice. That is uh, very uh, very important uh, as of today. Uh, and uh, m- my opinion is this uh, is that this broadness must be part. Of uh, uh, academic curriculum, curricula, (laughs) from now on. What do you think about this?
1: No, definitely, it's part of like disrupting the default mode, Uh, and um, this experience as an experience of discomfort as well um, produces like really a broadening of the mind, uh, as we were discussing earlier, like. Uh, the space of a campus is kind of an enshrined space and a self-enclosed space, and the more students are exposed to uh, an understanding of a complex, interrelated world, um, the more they gain um, depth and substance and also that kind of self-awareness that is necessary to really succeed in any profession, really. So, in this sense, being abroad is really a resource uh, for students in uh, developing an original path. Sometimes, even going abroad in places that apparently are not related to their own path uh, has the effect of introducing a variable or introducing an element of disruption or a stumbling block, which is often in often cases it's really the starting point of an innovative path. Um, so in this sense, I want to relate the story of um, um, a, an experience abroad that I um, describe in the episode that I dedicated to Camillo Olivetti and in, in, uh, Italian innovators, uh, because basically he had an experience abroad on kind of the reverse end. He was a student at the Polytechnic of Turin. Uh, he uh, worked as a band- bartender in London for two years, between 1891 and 1893, to learn English, and as he got back, actually, he's professor of uh, physics. Uh, actually electrical engineering, um, Galileo Ferrari, uh, invited him to be his translator for the uh, Congress of Electrical Engineers at the uh, Columbian Exposition of Chicago in 1893. So Olivetti, a uh, young guy who was like 25 from verea a particularly marginal city. Now Ivrea is like the spot of one of the most important uh, companies of the 20th century in Italy and avant of Italian design, Olivetti. But Camille Olivetti went to Chicago and accompanied Ferraris to the Congress as a translator, and uh, while they arrived in the United States, they stopped in um, New Jersey, uh, where they actually um, took a brief uh, visit to the uh, labs of Thomas Alva Edison. And of course, Ferrari did not understand anything about what Edison was saying, because he wasn't uh, speaking English particularly well, whereas Olivetti uh, understood well what uh, Edison was saying to him. And that encounter would be like a fundamental encounter for him to develop his own path. In fact, actually, after, uh, after the exposition of Chicago, he actually left uh, Ferraris and went to uh, Palo Alto in California where uh, he taught at a newly founded university, uh, Stanford, which was founded in 1885. So it was like eight years into uh, its business. and. Um, Olivetti started teaching there and developed there his own path, which will, uh, he will start in 1908 with the opening of his company, and his company would be like a terrific influence for Steve Jobs, uh, uh, another Californian. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you, you never know what really an experience true. abroad might generate. So in this sense, uh, you might end up in Florence and encountering some people in Florence or observing some buildings, and that might lead to the beginning of a story that might be, as in the case of Camillo Olivetti, a, a century-long story uh, of, of innovation and entrepreneurship. Yeah.
0: Yes. Great. Uh, so discomfort and uh, and curiosity. To close this um, interview, even if it is uh, via uh, via Zoom, uh, I'm sure you had you have a lot of episodes, but. Uh, is there a possibility to share one with us? One of those To share with us one of those uh, moments that I call uh, formative misunderstandings, those moments that provoke discomfort at first, and uh, the only thing you want to do while you are facing it is I, I don't want to be here. And uh, after years, months, or ages, you discovered that in reality that has been a very formative moment for you. Do you have one misunderstanding?
1: Well, I mean, there, there are daily negotiations uh, that continue, uh, I I a funny episode and then a consideration, a general consideration, like a funny episode is like when I was uh, in Notre Dame and I met mm, mm, like my colleague, that them become my wife. <laughs> uh, I had to uh, leave for Italy um, for a wedding, like uh, for over a weekend. So while I was uh, going to uh, catch the bus and go to the airport, uh, I bumped into her and uh, said, "Like, well, you know, I'm going to Italy." And she said, "Like, you know, I'll wait for you." And um, for for Italians, um, you know, a a, a regular. Salute is like a, a kiss on uh, the cheek. And uh, uh, whereas for Americans, kind of the regular salute, like the, the base salute is is a hug. Uh, and this is interesting because like for Italians, actually a hug is a little bit more than a kiss. It expresses a little bit more involvement. <laughs> whereas for Americans, uh, sometimes a kiss expresses um, it's like, um, uh, more. Um, yeah, it means you are destroying some distances. <laughs> so we we had this exchange where uh she hugged me and so i thought wow well, you know this this might be a sign that she's interested whereas this was like a completely kind of regular salute then you know the story went on and uh luckily uh but and, no this is to say so that this um, is really a formative misunderstanding yeah, yeah no, and, <laughs> and uh, this is important because like one of the interesting things of going abroad is really to learn the language To to go abroad needs to coincide with the experience of learning a language, of learning uh, an idiom, Italian, Spanish, French, English, but also to learn a language of gestures, a language of like ways of being. And so, in this sense, the ability to learn a language is what allows you to really fully comprehend a reality and to fully digest the, the discomfort, um, because otherwise, otherwise what remains is the sense of misunderstanding. So the work of misunderstanding is the work of understanding, little by little, uh, which coincides with uh, learning a language, learning a way of being, and learning a pitch, really, learning a way to phrase things, learning a way to say things. Um in in, um, in in the other's mental language. So this this has become really important for me, uh, not only in my work, not only in, in the communication in different languages uh, with different people across the world, but also in finding out like a way to present my content, uh, for example, academic content on a, on a YouTube platform, on a light platform. So in this sense, This work of being abroad coincides with a posture that is a posture of constant translation and negotiation. And in doing this, understanding of different words and different points of view, Uh, not for the sake of um, kind of diversity for its own sake, but for really an enrichment and a a broadening of your mental horizon, which coincides with really a greater enjoyment of, of life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is great, because in reality, it's it's about space. It's about uh, negotiating the space in between you and the experience, which is uh, through language, to attitudes, to verbal language, and, and especially non-verbal language. Luca, uh, I'm so grateful for your intervention, which I'm sure our followers will uh, enjoy. And if our followers want to know more about... Uh, Uh, your stories and the stories of the Italian innovators for sure they can follow you on Italian uh, innovators channel on YouTube so I I thank you for your presence here for your time and uh, I hope to see you in person on this side of the pond or on your side of
1: the pond thank you it was a pleasure